0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: I'm Sarah Fenske. Last Friday, we hosted our first-ever St. Louis on the Air After Hours in the public media commons. There, Sinusopro performed as a self-proclaimed one-woman musical enigma. Sina SoPro is the solo project from St. Louis musician Saria Conaway. In her music, she explores themes of emotional rebirth through self-discovery. Last Friday, she played some songs from her latest double album, Chill Hype, which she describes as giving depth to the emotional range of self-reflection without words. I began our conversation by asking Saria about what got her excited about playing music in the first place.
0: Well, um, I actually started performing music at age seven, I, um, I think age 10 would have started writing music for real. But Suzuki Method, what's up, violin? Probably the worst instrument I'm at right now, but you know how it is. <laughs> you don't use it, you lose it quick. But um, so I was like, very influenced by uh, classical music because you know, that's what they taught uh, on that instrument. And um, inside of the household, you know, <laughs> dad with the P Funk. And the earth went on fire and the funk mob and funkadelics and, you know, just a lot of different sounds. Rolling Stones, Queen, a lot of different things were happening um, that was still very orchestric and very epic and a lot of different moving parts. So by the time I was 10, I taught myself how to play the piano. What's up, all-in-one adult piano book, volume one, two, and three? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you taught yourself. Well, I mean, I already knew the treble clef because whenever you learn how to play other instruments, they typically teach you the, the piano as well as a, like a visual reference. So the treble clef was easy. It was the bass clef that kind of like, woo, and then also kind of doing two things that wasn't necessarily syncopated. You know, whenever you're playing an instrument that's designed to play a melody and typically just one set of notes, um, you know, whenever you're playing a piano that's designed to play, you know, all the moving parts, it's like, you know, your hands and your brain you had to get them to cooperate. But um, by the time I hit high school, I was a big choir nerd. What's up, Mr. Sandquist? Um, so we sang a lot of different things from a lot of different countries. I became a big fan of Brahms and John Rutter and Eric Whitaker and um, a set of Chinese folk songs which have been following me around for a very long time. I'm not gonna say how long, um, but a very long time. Fan favorite. And um, Yeah, I I just think what I do is just kind of like a culmination of everything I've heard. I think whenever I first moved to St. Louis in 2001, um, maybe like what, I don't even know, it's like four years later or three years later, I was playing in a band and it was a shoegaze band and they had this very like, you know, a bunch of effects, this very wall of sound. Guitars are playing, but the guitars have so many effects on it, you can't really tell it's a guitar um, and I was just really kind of like, whoa, um, with that sound and style. And I think some of that is kind of also in Sinuso Pro. So Sinuso Pro is a lot of different things, but I don't, honestly, I don't know how to categorize it. Whenever people ask me that question, what kind of genre is it? I'm just looking at it and I'm like, Sigh. I don't know, man. You tell me, I don't know. It's music, listen. <laughs> do you like it? Okay, that's great. But um, I really do feel like the sounds that I produce is 100% me. Um, I, don't think it's, I, think, I don't think it's unique per se, but I, it's definitely from my heart um, and it's hard to like kind of peg like, oh it sounds like this, it's, it sounds like a lot of different things because it's, it's complex, man, we're all complex human beings. It feels like with the training you
1: have and, and with the talent that you have, you could have easily gone the route of doing classical music, of
0: playing someone else's stuff. When did you realize, I want to write my own stuff, I'm taking this different path? Um, I don't know if it was really a conscious decision. I think it was just something I did all the time. Uh, especially as a kid, I would dream and I would hear like, these big scores in my head and I would try to wake up and like, write it down before I forgot. Um, I legit thought, I kid you not, this is the thought I had, y'all. Like, I swear, don't, don't be mad at nine-year-old Saria, okay? I thought some dead white dude from like 1600s was using me to channel some, something he never finished. I straight up had those thoughts. Um, and now I know that's not necessarily the case, but you know, I do feel like a lot of times the stuff writes itself so quick. I I don't even know if I can really say it was mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, boop, oh, oh, there's, that was, that's done. Okay. That music was in your head and it was a a process of just trying to get it down before it was gone. Yes. Sometimes it's easy to remember. Sometimes no, it's just like, boop, you missed it. Um, it's gone. Let it go. Someone else got it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's, Um, It's very spiritual.
1: So, one quick thing I want to mention before you play the first track you're going to play for us tonight, and that's that your inspirations aren't all just old dead white men. (laughs) You've also got this inspiration of video games and the music from video games. How does that fit into the music that you're hearing in your head and the music you make?
0: Yo, okay, so video games is a big part of my life as a kid. I I mean, I, I. I feel like a lot of y'all in the audience can relate. Like, let's be honest, you guys. Like, seriously, Donkey Kong Country 2, that, oh, my God. That music was just so beautiful, and it just never really left me. And I think the music in the video games really drew me to the video games to begin with. I mean, if the gameplay was fun, that's great. But if the music wasn't that great, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to play this game. Like, the, the sound design, the music is just not hitting where it needs to hit. But, um I actually I actually wrote Nintendo Power. Who knows what Nintendo Power was? Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up, Okay, so whenever I was a kid, I wrote Nintendo Power. I was like, look, hey, what's up? Um, Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country 2, the music is amazing, and I really want to listen to it all the time, but I don't want to have to, like, put in the game and then travel the world map to get to whatever level I want to hear. Can y'all, like, put it on a CD? And they never responded. But... <laughs> whenever Donkey Kong Country 3 came out, which, ah, man, was not that good. I mean, it was good, but man, it really kind of ruined the trilogy. Whenever that one came out, here it is. Boom, 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 Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country 2, Donkey Kong Country 3, CDs. I was like, ah! I got them, owned them. You know, I didn't know YouTube's gonna be a thing um, <laughs> a couple decades later to where I can just listen to it all the time I want to anyway, but yeah, I bought those CDs. That's how, that's how much of a nerd I was. Um, as a child. Yes, video game music. It's just, honestly, (laughs) I hate to be plugging something else, but uh, I'm in a band called Three of Five, and we wear Star Trek uniforms and play music from Nintendo DS's. Like, I love playing in that band because literally I walk in with my Lieutenant Uhura costume and a Nintendo DS, and I'm ready to play. Like, none of this four trips to the car, back and forth stuff, you know, it's just fun. It just feels, it's nostalgic. It just feels good.
1: That was Saria Conway at our first After Hours event in Grand Center. Throughout the night, she played various traditional instruments, including the violin and the bass. But that was only a small part of these tracks. Saria said she wasn't always a fan of incorporating technology into her music. Now she's all in. She fused her stringed instruments with pedals, rack units, mixers, and beats. In live performances, she switches effortlessly between instruments. But one of those doesn't look like an instrument at all. In fact, it looks kind of like she's pressing buttons on a huge iPad. Saria explained what it is and how she uses it.
0: So um, I'm running a program called Ableton, and that's the Ableton Push 2 unit. Um, and I actually got it right before I accepted the residency at the Contemporary Art Museum. And I <laughs> learned, how, well, learned how to... There's too much. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to master uh, that. But I needed something that can create music quickly. So what I decided to do um, for Cam was to take all the stems from my previous albums, run it through the push unit, and splice it together and just kind of play around to see if I can hear anything. And when you and, say stems, what's a stem? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Typically when a musician or a band goes into the studio to record an album, you know, you have your different musicians doing different things and there's different tracks for each instrument. So the drums, well the drums not typically one track, it's several tracks, but we don't need to go into that. Uh, then you have your bass track, your guitar tracks, plural possibly, your vocal tracks, your keyboard tracks, horns, whatever. Everything has its own place, so you can isolate that track, you know, maybe touch up or fix any errors or you know, or just to have it to remix <laughs> things with. So everything you heard in those songs um, were from previous songs that my voice, those were my vocals. Just from my acapella record, Vox, I spliced it together to create something different. And then I took instrumentation and played over it to create something a little bit new, but still kind of the same. Um, so the first track was called To Worry Isn't Love Doll. And that actually comes from Worry Doll from Loop Talk volume, Sure. One or two. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, also Numbers and then also Sinus Opera. They're all kind of mixed together, uh, kind of creating its own song. But I kept the title to Worry Isn't Love Doll because Worry Doll is kind of the chord progression that's kind of driving uh, the piece. So, like, you know, I used to be a big, like, frown my nose up to, like, technology of, like, that's not playing instruments. ma nah, nah, nah. But in reality, like, I mean, it's an instrument. It is. Um, it may not be... You know, organic instrument like we're used to but it's allowing you to create something so I mean um <laughs> so you're taking these these tracks from these previous albums you're sort of mashing them up but there's also something you're doing live because there's a, a whole thing that that was done yes so because I am a performer I just don't feel comfortable just like hitting play and walking away that feels <laughs> weird so I deliberately programmed um the songs to, to to be missing a piece. And then I would just play that piece on the pad. So The first piece on the first song was, I was playing the bass line, which was, um, you know, I probably should have fixed the EQ, but you know what I'm saying, <laughs> it's okay. And then um, on the second song, you could hear my vocals. I was triggering all the vocal parts um, within that piece while everything else is still kind of operating in the background. And honestly, it gives like a little bit, I mean, a little bit, a way lot less pressure to perform versus me live looping everything. And then if I make a mistake, it's, caught in the loop and it keeps coming back around. It's just like, oh my gosh, you know, this is like, oh, I made a mistake, but keep going. It feels like, well, no, it doesn't feel like playing in a band. Never mind. But it's like, if you make a mistake, it's very similar to where you're just playing it live and it just happened. And if people notice it, they did. And if they don't, um, that's great. But it's not like coming back around to remind everybody, yeah, that happened.
1: Mm -hmm." So you're kind of jamming with yourself, but you also have something there to support you. Like, you know, there's always going to be this base that works.
0: Yes, um, in a way. The, the thing is a little bit different though is, for example, uh, whenever I play the next two songs, which I'll be using the actual, in- no, no, no. I'll be using the instruments the push is an instrument to Saria. you just said that. I'll be using the instruments to perform along with because I'm gonna be playing along with tracks, which is something Sinuso Pro has never done. I always, well, I'm sorry, we always kind of prided ourselves on performing live and everything built to be live in front of you. But, you know, after doing that for 14 years, you know, I, we felt kind of, we kind of felt like um, we've exhausted every avenue to build a song as quickly as possible, and it, be, it became a limitation. So we just kind of freed ourselves from that burden, because why do I have to live? I mean, why do we got to do it all the time? We don't. We don't. So the, the issue, though, with playing with the track, though, because it's a set amount of time, s- some other parts are going to come in. If you do mess up a loop, there's no real, okay, we'll just circle around and wait for it to come back around, and then we'll... Started again. It's just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? I don't know. We're going to figure it out <laughs> type of thing. So um, it's challenging, but challenging in different ways. I want to mention
1: something about your vocals and that. So you use the vocals from this acapella album.
0: I'm told, though, that you cut out the consonants for this version. Oh, yes. Why did you cut out the consonants? So whenever I was the DJ in residence at the Contemporary Art Museum, and I'm not a DJ, just want to put that out there. I'm not a DJ. Um, I just really felt like I was curating a vibe in the space and I didn't want to take away from the visual art. So I felt like lyrics, once vocals kind of come in and then lyrics kind of come in, people are going to be like, oh, they kind of gravitate naturally to that. So I deliberately uh, did not use any of the lead lyrical lines from the, uh, the previous albums. I cut those out. And then just use the backing vocals. And if there were songs that had, like, words in it the whole time, I would deliberately splice it to where I would cut the consonants out and you couldn't tell what word I was trying to say. Um, except for the Chinese folk songs because, you know, they're, they're in Mandarin and I, I don't think a lot of people speak Mandarin that um, isn't native to China. Um, so
1: that's not going to distract our ears in the right. same way that words would. Exactly. Your words would. Yeah, like
0: English words.
1: Um, so, yeah. So you've mentioned a few times now this residency that you did at the Contemporary Art Museum, St. Louis, right over there, here in Grand Center, um, and how that kind of inspired the work on Chill Hype. I'm wondering if it was particular art there, or the particular exhibitions that were up during that residency that also played a part.
0: Yes. So actually, um, a piece called Deconstructed Gaze by Paul Sapoya that was really, really Really vibrant to me in the sense that he he's a photographer and he, uh, he was taking a lot of photos with uh, of, of his friends in the nude, but it was very like you know angles and mirrors and just like you just kind of see an arm and then you see a knee and then you see a chest and then you see a thigh. Like you just didn't know how it was like is this cut cut and pasted? But it was turned out it was like mirror work the whole way through. So it's just very very interesting. So I kind of told myself a story of like. Man, I know a lot of photographers. I've modeled for photographers. What if one of my friends was like, Serena, come over. Shoot some pictures. Oh, you have to be nude. I'd be like, ooh, girl, what? No. (laughs) You know, so I kind of made up this whole story of like, what if you did do that? And then what if you kind of got comfortable with it and close and intimate with your friend but not in a sexual way and you're just learning about your, a person in yourself in a different way and then and then you're just really in the moment and feeling it and then what if you know you go home and you're just really kind of missing that rush and that energy um you know and you're just kind of self-reflecting like what what would all that sound like
1: That was Saria Conaway speaking to me before a live audience at our first after-hours event in the public media commons. You can support Saria Conaway as SinusO Pro by visiting sinusopro.com and streaming her music on Spotify and Apple Music. You can also stream previous episodes of St. Louis on the Air. All of our past interviews are free to access and listen at your convenience. Just search for St. Louis on the Air on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts on the App Store. Or find us on Facebook. Search for St. Louis on the Air there, answer a few quick questions, and join the conversation before, during, and after the show. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more.